Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode and installment of Backstage with Eddie Mack. This is the spinoff show from my regular podcast, Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. So in Backstage with Eddie Mack, you'll be hearing more of me. I'm your host, Eddie Macaranis, and I'll do a lot more monologue style, solo podcasting where it's kind of more focused on me and my experiences. Usually I'll just talk about something that I have previously experienced or maybe that I'm currently enduring, and I'm hoping that I can share my ideas and my activities and what I'm learning from them in a way that it helps you learn from and take action in your life in a positive way too. And disclaimer, this is just one guy's perspective on certain scenarios and I'm doing the best that I can in the best way that I know how and I'm hoping that maybe my perspective makes a difference for you. So if you can vibe with that, then let's go. with Eddie Mack. All right, so I jumped on Instagram, and to be honest with you, I really didn't have anything truly prepared for this installment of Backstage with Eddie Mac. I have some things lined up like in the future, but I'm still kind of, I don't know, wrapping my head around the concepts and the thoughts and things like that before I actually start jumping on the mic and recording my my spiel on these topics. But in any case, I thought it'd be kind of fun to jump on Instagram and have people ask me questions. And uh, honestly, it was this was like an hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes where I had just like this window of time that I had people just shoot me a bunch of questions. And like I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. Um, I get to be asked all these really random questions probably from different walks of life, and I'm going to try to my best to address each question based on my experience, and that's what this sh- this segment of the show is all about, is my experience, my take, my opinion on a certain topic, and I get to kind of tackle a whole bunch of different questions um, in my own way that I know how. Well, what's um, interesting is that I don't have a huge audience in Instagram, and so I only came away with like a handful of questions, and that's fine. Actually, um, what's cool about the questions that I asked is that I actually made had me like thinking. It got me going, got my wheels turning, and um, even though I didn't get a ton of questions, I'm actually kind of thankful that I didn't because it gives me some time to marinate and um, hopefully share my thoughts with you. So, um, just a repeat of the disclaimer. Again, this is my opinion and my take based on experience that I have. So this is just one guy's opinion. I'm going to do my best to tackle, and maybe you can actually find some value in what it is that I'm sharing. So, man, let's not even wait. Let's let's jump into these questions. One question was asked by Corey, uh, and Corey asks, do you and G have the same love language? Holy cow. All right. Um... So first of all, the, the let me give a little background to where this question probably stems from. There is a book or, yeah, like a book, philosophy or whatever called The Five Languages of Love. I have never read the book, but it's by an author named Gary Chapman. And I remember 
a couple of years ago, man, maybe just like three years ago, my friend John brought the book up to me because um, it was like a better, I don't know, we were, we were talking about relationships and stuff, and then like there's more than just like your intimate relationships, right? There's relationships between you and friends, you and your children, and you and your parents, things like that. So uh, the five languages of love, I think, talks more about, initially talks more about intimate relationships. And again, I, I've never read the book, so I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. And, um, but I do know that the five languages of love are, let me see here. I'm going to go off the top of my head. Um, one of them is, uh, words of affirmation. So someone who feels that, uh, words of affirmation, like supportive words and things like that are their way of feeling loved. Right. And again, so this can apply to just not just intimate relationships. I mean, this can apply to even work relationships, right? Okay. Another one is a uh, physical touch. So an appropriate way of touching or being touched is someone's language of love. They feel the most love when they are appropriately touched. Another one is, um, receiving gifts. And so that kind of speaks for itself. So uh, when actions speak louder than words, like when you do something for somebody, then they are feeling the most love. And then the last one is time or a quality of time. So um, being attentive to somebody or spending or investing your time in that individual and that individual feels the most loved. So the question that Corey asked was, do G and I, my wife, do G and I have the same language of love? And uh, it's so interesting, man, when she asks that question, and I started to kind of like look into it real quickly. I, I've known what mine is. And again, I haven't read the book, but just from the five little languages of love, I know what mine is. And so I was thinking, what is G's if I was to really put my finger on it, right? And after reading those five different languages, I came up with what I thought was G's. So I walked up to G and I go, G. Um, so Corey asked this question, um, what do we have the same like language of love? And she and I was like, do you know what that is? And she kind of looked at me kind of puzzled because she hasn't read it too. And she was like, I think I do. And I was like, here, let me just pull it up for you. So I stated all five languages. I was like, all right, so I'm going to repeat them again. I, say, I said them again. And then I go, which one do you think yours is? Because I think I know what it is, but I don't want to tell you what I think it is. Just tell me what it is. So um, she said... That hers, uh, uh, her language of love is words of affirmation. And I was totally right. That's exactly what I, my premonition was of G's language of love, which is words of affirmation. I'll tell you, an, I'll give you an example. So G lately has been uh, very much on this activity kick, working out and being more active. Um, she jumped onto the one mile a day with me. Um, I didn't I didn't coerce her to do it. I didn't in, influence her, at least not directly. I didn't influence her to do it, uh, but she she brought it upon herself or found it upon herself to just start actually doing the one mile a day. And if you've been following my story on Instagram or my, my story freaking all year, really, um, I've been doing, I've been running a minimum of one mile per day and, um, not skipping a beat. And, um, anyway, so she jumped on it and she started walking a mile a day. And then she did a couple of jogs that were, uh, equivalent to a mile a day. And, um, another thing that, so she transitioned away from doing that. She did that for about 30 days or something like that. And then she's moved on now though, to, 
um, doing uh, physical workouts, in-home workouts based on a couple of apps. Um, Beachbody is being is one of them, and then Nike offers this really great um, workout regimen that is for at-home workouts. And so she jumped on that all on her own. She's um, you know she's doing all these different like dietary things, and she's she's really just trying to like hone in on finding something that keeps her active and healthy, and just be mindful of her body. And I think it's really great. And so those things that she jumped onto, like the mile a day, dude, every single day that she did it, I gave her a high five. Sometimes we would like run at the same time, so she would be off to her run, and I'll leave mine a little bit later. And on her way back home from her run, I'm on my way out of home from to my run, and I'll. Give her like a high five and be like, keep going, you know, or, um, you know, about a week in her first week of finishing the mile a day, I just told her how proud I was that she actually committed to seven straight days. Like the first three days were really hard for me and it was intimidating to think that I was going to say to myself, I'm going to do this for 30 days. And when she did it for seven days, I know what that first four, three, four, five days was like. And it was pretty intimidating to think that you're going to go a whole week and not only finish that first seven days, but then to continue on into the next week. There is something like in your mentality that has to take place in order for you to keep doing that. And so I gave her like a huge boost of just encouragement and told her exactly how proud I was for her to have committed to seven days. And she kept pushing and she was putting it on social media. And so then people on social media were like super supportive of her giving her claps, you know, on her story and commenting about like, keep going, you know, so proud of you or you're inspiring me. In fact, um, a very close friend of ours, um, they just got married and I got to officiate their wedding. Shout out to uh, Emmett and Sophia. And at the wedding, like all of our friends were going up to G and they're like, dude, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for posting your stories or posting your Instagram runs and stuff like the mile of days really like keeping me in check. When I got lazy, uh, when I didn't feel like doing something, I would I, I said to myself, if G posts today, that means I got to do my workout. And G was feeling super uplifted. And I can tell that her language of love and like, like the way that she feels loved is words of affirmation because it has pushed her and really, really kind of transformed her mindset um, to commit to herself. And I think that when she has that, those words of affirmation from me and the people that surround us, she definitely feels that love. Okay, so what's my language of love? Corey, the answer is no, we do not have the same language of love. I think I knew this from the very get-go when the question was asked. I just needed to, to define what hers was by looking it up. So I was right. My assumption of G's was right. Words of affirmation. Mine is physical touch. Like, um, So when I talk about physical touching and we're talking about appropriate touch right um from my intimate relationship when it comes to myself and g i uh, it drives me freaking nuts like she, she drives me wild when she like runs her fingers through my hair or like just kind of like uses her fingernails to like rub my shoulder or something for some reason like simple thing like that really means a lot to me sometimes like i might be laying in bed we're asleep or something like that in the middle of the night she might reach over and like put her hand on my chest or over my like over my torso and it, like it really puts me at ease and i just feel totally connected to her when i am physically touched in that manner now outside of intimate relationships i love giving hugs like i'm i'm a handshaker i'm like i'm a shoulder like like 
grabber, I guess. I, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I physically touch other people in terms of like, um, like embracing people. When I say hi to people, I love it when I say what's up to my homies and I give them a hug. And especially if I haven't seen them in a while, my children, I hug them every single day. And I mean, like any parent would say that, but it means like the absolute world to me for me to pick up Donovan, who's like nine years old, like to pick him up like a little kid. Or like when Donovan and Dante just like randomly come up and like give me a hug because like maybe they're proud of me for having done something or it's their way of thanking me for being there for them in a certain situation. Dude, it means the world to me that I get a hug from them. And same goes for those in um, non-intimate relationships or non-like close relationships. When someone looks me in the eye and gives me a handshake and says, thank you, like that handshake to me is freaking bond. So, um, you know, call me old fashioned, but that's it. My language of love, um, definitely is physical touch. So no, Corey, she and I don't have the same language of love, but the fact of the matter is she knew what mine was. Um, I had her guess mine. Um, and she was like physical touch. And I was like, yeah, dude, you're, you're spot on. So we definitely know each other's language of love. Um, and so we, you know, hopefully we have been trying to execute on those things for each other and kind of keep that going. So yeah, on an intimate level, that was definitely ours. Okay. The other question that was asked of me was from Melinda. This is kind of along the same lines of what Corey was asking ish in the, uh, in terms of relationship. So Melinda's question was, are there differences between infatuation slash attraction, happiness slash joy, falling in love, slash to have love. Like, damn, that's three different questions right there. So I'll try to address them uh, individually. Let's start with the first one, Melinda, which was, is there a difference between infatuation and attraction? Hmm. I'm shooting from the hip on this one. Um, It's not like I... I'm like a love doctor or some kind of relationship guru, but I feel like, or like, or like human sexuality or sociology, like expert, right? But when I think of infatuation and attraction, and is there a difference between the two, they kind of, I feel like they kind of fall in the same category. Um, Some other words that come to mind when I think of infatuation and attraction is a crush. um, uh, I don't know, a, a, a spark of interest. I don't know. Those kinds of phrases are what come to mind. So I feel like infatuation um, is a little bit more short-term, short-lived attraction towards somebody or something. Um, you know, like when you when when people walk by that you find attractive, you might be infatuated with them, um, but I but it doesn't like last forever or anything like that. It might be like a moment of like, hey, damn, that's a you know she's got a dope outfit on, or or man, like like he's really well built or whatever. And you might be infatu- infatuated and attracted to the maybe physical aspects of it. And again, this is just kind of short lived feelings, right? Infatuation and attraction. I think that. Attraction has a little bit more longevity to it. Like I can continue to be attracted to a particular individual. Um, you know, particularly when I think of G, I'm constantly finding things that I'm attracted to about her. I love the way that she like laughs at her own jokes. It's the silliest things, but sometimes she'll like, like I don't know, she'll, she'll just shoot out a joke and make fun of me, but laugh at it. And I'm like, well, that was lame, but it's really cute, and I'm attracted to that. Um, you know, and I, I, I guess I'm I'm infatuated with certain uh, habits and tendencies 
tendencies that she's got. Um, one of those might be like, I, um, I love that she's doing this whole um, activity thing, you know, that, that I mentioned earlier. She has been very committed to that. I'm really attracted to the fact that she is doing those things. And so, um, yeah, I guess I guess they're kind of in the same boat, you know. Infatuation, I guess the only difference that I can see between that and attraction is that infatuation is more short-lived uh, nuances or instances that you might feel or, or I guess, I don't know, yeah, I guess that you feel for somebody or something, whereas attraction, although it pretty much falls under the same category, has a little bit more longevity and has ways of maybe evolving, all right? The second part of your question, Melinda, the difference between happiness and joy. Um, this one isn't like super easy to answer, but I think it's similar to happiness and satisfaction. So, but let's stick to your question. So the words are happiness and joy. I think my opinion is that happiness is self-contrived and I push that super hard on social media. You, you know, I, you know, I put out a bunch of quotes, you know, that I put out like the Eddie Mac minute where I just kind of, you know, give my spiel shorter versions of this backstage with Eddie Mac, so to speak. And I'll always push that happiness is self-contrived. It's something that we have to like, not look for, but actually create and find within ourselves. I don't think any particular situation um, any particular accomplishment or any particular person can bring you happiness. Um, it is definitely within you. I think that if you have an appreciation for or gratitude for the things that you have in your life, um, something as simple as waking up, man, that alone honestly is a gift, dude. Like I've lost, I've lost loved ones and on a whim out of freaking nowhere. And it's, and it's painful to think of the loss that, you know, I had to endure, but furthermore, like we don't, like it, it reminds me that like, dude, we really have, we have a limit. And, um, I think that if we appreciate and show some gratitude to those moments where we're actually like alive and in the moment, we should be happy about that. Now, joy. Um, I think that things can bring you joy. Um, I don't, I don't know, like, again, they're similar words. And I think that's the reason why you're asking these questions. Um, happiness and joy are very similar. I think joy is um, a moment very similar to the whole infatuation attraction question. I think that is like a sh- short-lived or shorter term is joy. Like um, it brings me a lot of joy to know that my kid is killing it at school. For instance, Dante, um, he, he did awesome um, last semester, even the semester before that. Dude, he was 4.0. Um, this last semester, most recently, he got on a roll again, and he, he crushed it, and he deserved that recognition, and he was able to kind of like have some fun and stuff, and that brings me a lot of joy to know that he is killing it at school. But does that make me happy? Like, does it, does it take him to have that accomplishment to make me happy? No. I mean, Dante is a kind-hearted, very shy and reserved individual who aims to please, and he's very, very hard on himself. What makes me happy is when I know that he's just like his true self. When he's with his friends and he's laughing and like super loud 
he just doesn't express those things. And so like when he is happy, it brings me joy. But his happiness is self-contrived. He appreciates when he is pleasing others or when he's around other people that please him. That's all, you know, those are the things that like really make him feel alive. Um, And yeah, I'm sure getting good grades brings him joy, but I think that's not what defines what makes him happy. Hopefully that all makes sense to you, Melinda. So yeah, I think that happiness and joy are definitely different, although they are similar in terms of like what they might emulate. I think that one is more self-contrived, whereas the other one can be brought upon by other things, situations, and people. And the last thing, the difference, are there differences between falling in love and to have love? Hmm, man. Okay, this one's super deep and touchy. I'll say that there is a difference um, overall. Uh, To have love, I think comes from your perspective of who is around you and what defines love to you. Uh, An example might be, I have love from, obviously from G and from my children, but when I look at love in moments, kind of like the languages of love that I alluded to earlier, I think that there are moments that you have love from other individuals, even though you might not even hear that they love you. There are certain things that they do that make you feel loved by them. Um, An example might be at work, for instance. Um, At work, you might do something that's pretty amazing. I don't know, like you accomplished a task, you completed a project, or you, um, I don't know, you just did something really outstanding. And somebody hopefully if some somebody of authority that is kind of within that realm at work has given you some praise or recognition. And I don't want to spoil it because this is actually leading to another question that I received. But anyways, um, yeah, maybe you received recognition for that thing. Maybe you led a project and you totally crushed it and it turned into some crazy great results for the team, crazy great results for you, obviously, and then definitely for the business. And so, your higher-ups have given you some praise and recognition for it, that's love. Maybe your peers gave you some crazy recognition for it. Thank you for leading the pack. You know, I appreciate what you taught me when we did this and we overcame that one hurdle. Like, I think it really brought us closer and they vocalized those things. I think that that right there is love. Honestly, it gives you a feeling of worthiness and that you are cared for um, and that people value what you're able to bring to the table. Falling in love is very different. I think that definitely is a far more intimate situation. Falling in love with someone um, really, really requires like some dedication. Um, I think that when you are in love with somebody, you 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 will commit sacrifice and and work really hard with and for that individual to share you know, that relationship and grow that relationship. So I think um, a lot of the themes that I kind of talked about in this question, Melinda, this multifaceted question, is that there are long-term versions of these nuances or ideas, and there are also short-lived moments that these same ideas can kind of flow into. Um, So yeah, the infatuation versus attraction thing had a little bit of long-term short-term 
happiness and joy that's self-contrived, more like I've got to be aware of it and, and be happy in, in on my own terms as opposed to um, a short moment of joy where a situation or a thing or a person brought that to me. And then to have love um, in different variations is different from falling in love. Hopefully you can take something from that, y'all. Cool. Another question from Corey. What do you, what do you know? Like, let's just call this the Corey podcast, shall we? Uh, so Corey asked another question. Eddie, how do you maintain such a positive attitude slash mood? Um, well, damn. I've got to say that this goes back to kind of self-contrived happiness, right? I'm, I'm a happy, generally speaking, I'm a happy, outgoing, and super positive guy. I really pride myself in being that character or that person for myself, for my family, and for the people that I encounter, man, I, I really take a lot of pride in that. Truth be told, though, you guys know, man, I try to be as transparent as possible. Like, I have moments where things get really crappy. I can get real down on, you know, maybe a setback, a shortcoming, some failure, um, or, or some, like, 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 man, uh, one of the backstage with Eddie Mac um, episodes, I got really emotional, man, because it brought me to a moment of like where I was unclear, where things got really complicated, but the emotions came from the fact that I was able to overcome and find that I have support and that I'm in a happier place because I was able to bring myself out of that bad or complex situation. So um, I think what it boils down to as far as how I maintain the positive attitude is that my outlook is always positive. That gratitude that I mentioned where I really think about and, and reflect on what it is that I have that, I, that um, instead of focusing on the shit that I don't have, like, like I know that it's easy for us to kind of fall into that trap where we are comparing ourselves to that next guy or gal or that next big thing. Like, when am I going to have that moment and all that stuff? I think that the more that we think of that deficit in our lives, as opposed to the equity that we have. And what I mean by that is that we have this deficit of, I want that thing and I don't have that thing, um, or I don't have that accomplished yet, or whatever the case is. Um, and you're, you're really far from it. And that makes you feel like you're inadequate, or maybe you have um, like an insufficiency in your life. Whereas you have equity, there are things that are going well for you, if you really just pay attention to how good you've got it. Like, honestly, if you look in your closet and there are clothes in there that you're not freaking wearing, you've got it freaking made. You've got it just fine because there are people down the street from you that don't even have a roof over their head to even say that they have a closet. They've got a shopping cart. You know, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, but I'm trying to prove a point here. I think that it's when you realize that you've got so much going for you in the smallest and simplest ways you have a more positive outlook. And having a positive outlook, Corey, and to anyone else that this is actually speaking to and sparking something in, I think that having a positive outlook isn't that everything is okay. It's that you know they will be okay as long as you keep moving forward. So that is how I maintain such a positive attitude or mood, is that I'm optimistic, man. I look at the brighter side of things. I look at the equity and the potential versus the deficit and the shortcoming, you know? So um, 
that's yeah that's my piece on maintaining a positive attitude and mood hope that helps uh let's see what else okay cool let me go to another question this was on it this wasn't on the like straight up questions on instagram i got a dm though of the question that was being asked of me justin asks what motivates you as you run these podcasts this one is pretty easy for me to answer. So I hope I don't make it long winded, but I do want to kind of expound on, um, you know, what keeps me motivated to run these podcasts. So, um, if you know me, if you're close to me and Justin, you are, um, you know, this about me, I think that this is a great question, um, for me to reflect on every now and again. So thanks for shooting it out. Um, the reason why I do it, I think is what motivates me. And I think that that goes for anything that you dear listener might be, um, might be looking to accomplish. Whatever it is that you are trying to achieve, I think that centering yourself around why you're doing it is far more important than learning how to do it and what to do. And that's not to say that those two things aren't important, but the why, and you've heard this before, come on, like be real, you've heard this, the why is the most important thing about this. I run this podcast because one thing that I know about myself for sure is that I love people. I really do. I'm, I'm a people lover. I don't know. Um, I just, I really champion when people are winning or if I have a way of influencing their win, whether it's big or small, if I have a way of impacting that individual to have a short win I'm so satisfied. I'm so fulfilled. Um, and it brings me a lot of joy. Okay. So I've got to say that what motivates me to run these podcasts is that my hope is that in the small but growing audience that I'm beginning to have with this show, in some way, shape, or form, some one person, as cliche as it sounds, if one person can take away some chord that I struck, some positive value that I've been able to evoke in them to make a difference, to push them to begin that process of achievement, the work that's involved, like giving them that motivational push. And I don't want to be all rah-rah. I want to be real about it, which is why I'm so, I guess I'm really learning to be more transparent through the show. If I can make that individual, that one person, make that one step forward to just start to achieve what they want to, whether that's freaking approaching that girl that they've been eyeing for so long, that they've been infatuated with, but they feel a little bit more deeper uh, feelings for, right? Like if they can just let their guard down and just go for it, man, that's dope. And and, and through and through my influence, man, that, that'd be awesome. I guess, Justin, what I'm really trying to say is that this is my way of leaving an impact on the world, man. I've always wanted to do that. And I think this is just one avenue and one way that I can do it. And that's what motivates me to keep running these podcasts. I want to learn from other people, which is why I interview them on setting stages. And then doing this backstage with Eddie Mac is so much more intimate. It's more about me and like kind of me shooting from the hip sometimes like this particular episode where I get to just share like my insight, my my experience so far in my young life. And if I can make an impact by sharing these things, dude, like that keeps me motivated. And I got to say that I've, I've gotten some great feedback. I've gotten a lot of like, thanks for this quote, or thank you for that post, or man, I really needed to listen to that episode today. You have impeccable timing. Like, honestly, 
I mean, I just I just want to make that impact. And if you tell me that I've done that for you, man, that keeps me motivated. That's for sure. All right, last thing. Last question. It's kind of boring um, because it, it talks about um, recognition. I was kind of talking a little bit about that. Um, what's where... That's where I got the inspiration. But this question was also not on Instagram, but it is a question that has been asked of me before by my friend Ryan. And he asked, hey, um, do you feel like it's necessary to be to have recognition? And I go, well, I guess it depends on the scenario. But the context of our conversation was primarily around work, right? So our day jobs. And so he asked that question and I go, well, um, and this is my answer, and I, and I don't think I've changed it either, like, I, like as far as my thoughts on this. But yeah, I think recognition is super valuable and super important. Um, he, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he generally was saying that, like, he, it doesn't really matter to him. Um, and I respect that. Like, some people are, like, good without being, like, straight up recognized, like, maybe not publicly or whatever, but maybe, like, an attaboy here and there he'll appreciate. But anyways, um, my opinion on it was slightly different from his, which is, like, like it's totally important. Um, you know, I've been able to hold positions. Fortunately, I've, I've had um, held positions in um, leading a team and not just at work, but um, in other areas too, like in dance too. Like I've been able to like lead um, high school air bands and stuff like that. And I've learned a, a thing or two. And, I, and um, over the course of all of my experiences, both as a person who is a learner and as a person who is a coach, I've learned that recognition goes a long way. Having like that um, positive reinforcement is huge. Um, and it could be in the moment and at the very moment that it does happen, it's super important to recognize that individual or that group of people for having done that one task and did it exceptionally well. And here's what I told um, Ryan in that discussion. It was that like, if there are people who have applied for a job, it's likely because they have some talent or they have some, um, you know, skill set that is worthy of that position for them to take on, right? Now, a lot of times though, and seriously, like, be real, I'm going to say like 80% of the people that I know are in jobs because they have to do the job. They have to earn a living um, and they want to do well enough to earn more in their living. And they're not necessarily doing a job that they are completely loving, right? Um, again, that's about 80% of the people that I know. All right. So that large percentage of people are also the people that are at the workplace. So those people who are doing the job that they don't necessarily love, but they have to do it, dude, if they crush it on a project or if they kill it on a task and they did it right and they did it better than maybe even expected, you better damn well give them re recognition for it. Give them some kudos because they just did something that they have to do. They didn't want to do it. And even though they didn't want to do it, they still crushed it. Give them some recognition. They deserve it. All right. That's my piece. So, um, cool. Thanks, guys, for your questions. That was actually a lot of fun. Um, I want to do it again. I'll probably shoot out another session sometime, you know, several episodes from now. But, you know, I just kind of want to do like a, every so often just do a check-in with my audience and see what they want to learn from me. And um, it kind of gives me some purpose and some some direction when it comes to these episodes of Backstage with Eddie Mac. Hope you all enjoy this one. And check it out. If you liked this episode, give me a shout out on Instagram, man, at underscore Eddie Mac. It would be cool to kind of like continue this cadence of conversation. If you got other questions, shoot them out to me, man. I'll save them and then I'll just address them 
them in a later episode. Would love to shout you out. Um, if you took some value in this episode or any previous episode of Setting Stages or Backstage with Eddie Mac, it would mean so freaking much to me if you can give this a rating of five stars or the highest rating on whatever platform of podcasts you listen to. Um, and I ask that shamelessly because all I want to do is make that positive impact on you. And if it is making a difference for you, can you imagine if if you can share that with somebody who can really take that word of advice or wisdom? Um, and again, this is the opinion of one guy. And if one guy can make that much of a difference in one other person and that person was you, please share this with somebody else. Um, and give this rating because it'll give some relevance to the show and other people can hear it and it'll grow the audience and we can share this community community and grow this community together. Uh, as always, guys, I appreciate your time. Please continue your day with positivity, with purpose, and with passion. Let's go. Stage with Eddie Mack.